Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. I'm excited about bringing this series to you. Uh, excited about uh, the season that we're in. We are in week three. We are just two weeks away from Easter at City Hill. It's going to be a fantastic day. I'd encourage you to be here and be here early. Bring as many friends and family and coworkers, neighbors as you possibly can to Easter. Three services, 8.30, 10, 11.30. Uh, something for everybody. If you got family that afternoon, come to the early services. If, you, if you, you know, you're up cooking early, you can come to the late service, whatever works for you and your guests and your family. But I'm asking you to be bringers this Easter. Come on, let's just fill the house up in three services. Our team's planned an amazing day for you, and it's going to be powerful and impactful. It's going to be fun for the whole family. There's Easter egg hunts and all kinds of stuff for your kids, and uh, there'll be great things in the lobby. Uh, we'll have inspiring worship. I'm going to bring you a short uh, Easter message it's going to be a great day, but I'd love, listen, I love you, but I really love to meet some other people. You know what I mean? I'd love to meet some of them people y'all talk about that you love, you know, and your kids and your moms and dads and aunts and uncles and coworkers and neighbors. And uh, we have invite cards for you when you leave today. I'd love for you to grab just a handful of those. Let's just, hey, let's, people need Jesus this Easter. Say amen to that. They do. People need hope this Easter. Let's be Let's be hope dealers. Come on, everybody. Let's just let's do everything we can to uh, bring hope and life to the Hill Country this Easter season. Can't wait for that. So last week, if you uh, weren't here at the message, uh, I'd encourage you to catch this series on YouTube if you haven't already. But we said that grace is everything Jesus is. Uh, grace is every when you get grace, you get Jesus. When you get Jesus, you get grace. And everything in my life is a gift of grace. Say amen to that. Everything in my life is a matter of fact, the Bible would say this in, in Corinthians. I don't have it on the screen, but Paul would write about the grace of God that's given to you that we serve one another with that gift. That word there is charis. It's, it's actually the grace gift of God in your life. In other words, the spiritual gifts that you have, the ability to sing or the ability to, to, to gain wealth or the ability to, you know, whatever it is you do well, that thing that God gave you, that gift that you have. It's a grace gift. It's not just some spiritual gift that God decided, well, you know, they're, they're pretty, I'll give them this, or they're tall, I'll give them that. I feel like God does that to tall people. But anyway, they're short, I'll make them handsome. You know what I mean? Th stuff like that. Like, I, it, you know, I'll, uh, <laughs> it's not, <laughs> I couldn't say it without laughing at you. Uh, there, there's just, it's a grace gift. Everything I have from God's grace. Say amen to that. And so I want to teach us today. I've spent the last two weeks. I hope you brought your notes, and I hope you brought a Bible. Once you open those up and take good notes today, every good Christian takes notes in church. Sinners don't. So you just decide which side you're on today. <laughs> uh, uh, I want to teach us today how to give grace. I've spent the last two weeks kind of talking about the grace of God in your life, but I want to teach you today how to give grace to others. Grace is the thing I need the most and the thing I struggle with giving the, 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 the most. It's the thing I need God to give me, and it's the thing I withhold from others. Are you with me, anybody? It's the thing I struggle when I see sin in you, but it's the thing I want God to be free to give grace to me when I'm struggling. You know what I mean? I want to be able to, you ever, you ever, you ever been on a diet with other people, and, and you know, you order something not on keto, whatever, and, and they're, you know, they're eating a salad, and they're looking at you, and then they'll say something like this, really mean skinny people say this, you're going to eat that? 
Yeah, I ordered this. I'm going to eat that. Yeah, I'm going to eat it just like this. You going to eat both of those buns? Yeah, I'm gonna eat, I asked for extra buns. Where you at on that? I want it Big Mac style with the bun in the middle. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's easy to, it's, I need grace, but I don't give grace that well. Are you with me, everybody? I need grace. And I want to look at Jesus specifically. I want to look at the end of his life as he's on the cross. If you studied the end of the Gospels, when you read about the crucifixion of Jesus, once he gets to the cross, he uh, makes seven statements on the cross, even enduring all that pain, even enduring all the shame of the cross. He's taking on your sin, my sin, he's becoming sin, but he's still powerful enough to teach us from the cross. He's powerful enough to teach us what do you do when there are people in your life that need grace. He's having his darkest day, his worst day, and even though you probably never going to live a day like that, a, a day where you're, you, you hang on a cross, it was unique to him, but it does give you a glimpse into how do I handle people who have mishandled me? Are you there? How do I handle people who have mishandled me? How, how, how do I give grace to people to whom grace really is the only thing they can, like I can't trust you, you just need grace again. Like I, you've broken my my trust, my heart, you've, you, you've, you've, there's been unmet expectations in our relationship, but I know you need what I have, what I need, and that's grace. But how do I give grace like Jesus gives grace? You can look to Jesus for the example. Hebrews 12 and 2 says it like this, that we're going to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Underlined author and finisher. Let me say it like this. If it's not over, God's not done. You didn't say amen to that. Just Brandy, and she has to. <laughs> if it's not over, God's not done. If you're not dead, God's not done. Well, Pastor, you don't know how long it's It doesn't matter. Jesus, the Bible said he's the finisher of our faith. He didn't just start a good work in you. The Bible said he's faithful to complete the good work that he started in you. God doesn't just want to get you saved. God wants to change your life radically. It doesn't just matter how you start a relationship. I want you to finish this thing better than how you got into it. I want, I want to finish marriage better than I started. I want to be better at the end of parenting than when I first started. I want to be a better Christian at the end. I don't want to wane with time. I want to get better with time. Say amen to that. If it's not over, God's not done. Uh, matter of fact, I told our dream team today, we're about, hey, let me let you a little secret. We're about eight weeks away from moving into our first permanent home, everybody. That deserves more than that. I said... You didn't. I, we're about eight weeks away from moving into our first permanent home, and I'm so excited about it. But I told our team today we're not going. We're not just going to limp in, out of portable. We've been port. We have been in four different locations. Y'all just got here. A lot of people have been here a long time. We were in another school, and we were in a movie theater, a dirty movie theater. They should have paid us to have church there. We paid to clean movie theater. Now, the coolest thing was you could have a hot dog at 9 a.m., but other than that, it was nasty. We, we baptized tons of new people there. Then COVID shut that down. We moved to a hotel ballroom. Y'all thought we had died. Brandy met somebody the other day. She said, oh, I thought y'all, you know how people, you know. 
I didn't think y'all made it through COVID. Didn't make it through COVID. There's hundreds of people who call this church home. What do you mean? We're thriving after COVID. I don't, of course we, but y'all thought we did because we moved 10 miles away. And in Bernie, 10 miles away is like moving to the moon. And so we, uh, we, and then we came back to another elementary school and we've done this about 275 weekends we've set up and took down. 275 weekends of pulling trailers and moving this entire church in. and put, You think I'm going to take the last eight weeks off and not do it well? No, I'm going to finish stronger than we've ever done before. I want to I want to finish with fire and revival. I don't want to just limp. Listen, because God is the, he's not just about authoring. It's about finishing what I've started in my life. And if God, if, if your marriage hasn't ended, if it's not over, God's not done fixing that. If your child is still living, I know it may seem like they're far from God. I know it may seem like it's it's not turning around. But if they're still here, God's still in it. Say amen to that. Looking unto Jesus, the author, and fin- put it back on. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Underline the word joy. That's your name, by the way. You were the joy that was set before him. I said, you were the joy that makes Easter so special. Your family, your children, your spouse, your loved ones, your grandparents, your aunts and uncles, your child who's lost, your husband who's lost. You were the joy that was set before him. The Bible says Jesus gets to the Garden of Gethsemane. He looks into that cup. Three times he asks his father, let this cup pass from me. Let this cup pass from me. The third time he looks into the cup, he doesn't ask his father to let it pass. Why? Because he saw you. And he saw me. When he looked into that cup, he saw my mess-ups and my problems and all my stuff and all of my hang-ups and all of my habits and all the problems I got in my life. And the Bible said it was joy to him to go to the cross so that he could save and rescue and redeem you. That deserves a good amen. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He was thinking about you and me. and You can look to him to know how to give grace to the people that need it the most in your life. The message translation says it like this. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race we're in. Study how he did it. Underline that phrase in your Bible. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. And here's what I want for you. Listen, here's what I want to teach you over the next half hour. The Bible said he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. Now he's there in the place of honor alongside his father. He could put up with anything. You know, one of my uh, least favorite phrases, if you're under 40, you know this. If you're over 40, you've never seen this uh, before. You certainly don't say it. If you're under 40, you shouldn't say it. But one of my least favorite phrases that has entered into the American lexicon is when little millennials who have to do something that adults do, like pay their own car insurance, say things like, I can't even. <laughs> Just keep looking straight ahead because I'm talking about y'all. I can't, I can't even. I, ju- I can't even. I just can't even. <laughs> <laughs> you got You had to pay your own AT&T bill, huh? I, you just can't even. Adulting's my other least favorite one, by the way. <laughs> You're not adulting because you paid for you. You're adulting because you got married and moved in together. That's made you an adult. I'm not even preaching about this, and I'm helping y'all today. You, have you met people that say, "I just can't. I can't even. I can't even with these kids. I can't even do this. I can't. I can't even do this." And the Bible said, "Jesus is on the cross." 
And the Bible says whatever it was he did, he could put up with anything. I, wanna, I want you to have, listen, I want to raise an army of not-so-wimpy Christians who can put up with anything, who don't just give up at the first sight of everything, who just don't back up when things get hard and throw their hands up and say, well, I can't and I don't want to and they hurt me and I don't like it. I don't like that church and that little guy preaches too long and the service is too loud and spits too much. And they don't have and I don't like and it's cool and the takedown so long. I just want to go to lunch. I'm fired up today. Y'all better watch me. I just don't want, I can't even. You can too. Jesus went to the cross for you. You got to get a backbone that life doesn't take you under. It doesn't just take me out. I still got faith. I can get up tomorrow, put my britches on one leg at a time, stand up to the devil and say, is that all you've got? I thought you had something. I'm still here and still standing and I can do this. Shout amen to that. Touch somebody beside you and say, you can too. You can too. You can handle this. You can get through this. You can still serve God. You can work for somebody you don't love. You can go to a job tomorrow full of joy. You can get marriage counseling. You can go back to school. You can raise godly kids. You don't have to cuss and fuss and throw and fight. You can too. Y'all better come to second because I'll be wound up. Jesus said, I can do anything. He, the Last Supper is on Thursday night. He's betrayed by Judas. He goes through a Mickey Mouse trial overnight. Actually, two different trials throughout the night. Tortured, beaten, crown of thorns on his head, spear in his side, nailed to a cross while the cross is on the ground. Cross is lifted into the sky, hoisted into a hole. And Jesus first sentence from the cross now you don't think you can forgive because you got church hurt I'm on a church hurt tangent right now y'all better watch me because the devil is doing everything he can to tear most people who are deconstructing their faith are actually deconstructing the church you never really had faith you just came to church and you felt like well if those people weren't they didn't do what I thought they ought to do they let me down they hurt me so I got to deconstruct my whole faith no, you didn't really have faith in Jesus. You may have had faith in people, but my faith isn't anchored in people. My faith's anchored in God. Say amen to that. The first sentence out of his mouth after all of this, Luke 23 and 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. You don't think you can forgive. You struggle giving grace. You struggle with how do I get past my hurt? How do I get past this heartbreak? How do I get past this hurt? And Jesus says after the cross, Father, forgive them. It's not important that he said it as much as it is it's the first thing he said. It's the first thing. It's the first thing you're going to have to do to understand grace in your life is you're going to have to quickly forgive. Write it down like this. You're going to have to learn to give grace to everybody who's trying to ruin your life. <laughs> You're going to have to give grace to everybody who's trying to ruin your life. You ever, you ever met people with the spiritual gift of ruining your life? Anybody know people like that? People that just get on your nerves and you think, God must have gave you something because you, you literally aggravate me just by being here. You know people like that? 
Look straight ahead. I just saw <laughs> I just I just saw a spouse look at their spouse. Jesus. Just act, I'm gonna preach over here because it was kind of over there. <laughs> you ever, just aggravated that you're here. You you got that one person in the office. Just when they when you walk in Monday and they smile, you just want to punch them right in that face. Not y'all y'all more spiritual than this. Huh? I know there's some in the back. Ain't that spiritual? I, they just have the spiritual gift. They went to growth track, took all the assessments, and at the very bottom it said, congratulations, your gift is ruining lives. You're just a terrible person. You just don't, nobody likes you. Listen to me. People are difficult. You are difficult. <laughs> that's, that's a word for today. If you didn't know that, just write that down. It's me. I'm difficult. I'm, if you can't think of the hard uh, person in your life to forgive and love, you're the hard person everybody's thinking of. If you can't think of the person that's a lot, you're the person that's a lot that everybody in the office is thinking about. There are people you don't like. There are people who don't like you. Jesus begins the seven statements on the cross with Father. Forgive them. You're going to have to learn how to forgive people who sinned against you. Matter of fact, Jesus includes it in the everyday prayer. He said, Father... Uh, when you pray, pray like this. He said, forgive those who have sinned against me. Forgive those who've trespassed against me. Are you with me, everybody? Every day, every day you're going to have to give up and say, God, i gotta, I got to learn how to have grace for people who, who hurt me, for people who don't deserve it, for people who were out to get me, for people who tried to take me out. i got to have grace for people like that. Jesus said it like this, and many will be offended in Matthew 24 and will betray one another and will hate one another. That's a life verse, isn't it? Isn't that something to grab a hold of? By the way, Jesus in Matthew 24 is preaching about the end times. And he said, in days like today that we live in, many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Luke 17, he says it like this. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. In other words, it's impossible to live your life without hurt. If you thought when you got saved, you got bubble wrapped, somebody sold you the wrong salvation. Your life doesn't just get bubble wrapped and everything gets better and nobody hurts me and everybody's for me and I don't know why people don't just accept me and everybody's going to like me and everybody's for I, I I don't know what's going on. No, 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 that's not true. It's impossible, Jesus said, that offenses don't come. It's impossible that you live your life like that. It's impossible that you go through life without people who hurt you. The unfortunate part is when you hold on to that unforgiveness and you hold on to not giving grace and you need it from God but you don't give it to others. You think it destroys them but it in fact destroys you. The Bible says it like this, Proverbs 18, 19, an offended brother and an offended sister, let me add it, <laughs> An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. And disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. Unyielding than a fortified city. If you harbor unforgiveness, if you, don't, if you withhold grace from others who need it, the Bible said it's like you put bars up around your own heart. You bar the gates of your heart in an effort to protect you. And you think to yourself, I'm barring others. I'm not allowing that offense to come into my life. I'm not, no one's going to hurt me again. No one's going to take advantage of me again. And no one's going to do that to me again. Listen, listen. 
Unfortunately, what you do is when you put up gates around your heart to protect yourself from others, you also put up gates around your heart where God can't get in. And now you withhold grace, and grace is withheld from you. Now, the thing that you need the most is the thing you can't give to anyone else. And now you've dried up the river of grace in your own life. You're unyielding. You're holding on to unforgiveness, hurt, and pain. I am fascinated by the British royal family. Um, uh, a matter of fact, Brandy bought me a book. I'm reading a book on the, on the life of the Duke of Edinburgh, um, uh, who re- recently passed away, and, and I'm reading a biography about the Duke of Edinburgh. I'm just fascinated by their family uh, history. And I was reading recently about the English Civil War. broke out in 1649, the 17th century. Oliver Cromwell is leading this political party who is trying to overthrow the monarchy. This is all a true story trying to overthrow the monarchy of England in in the mid-1600s. And King Charles I is the king of England at the time. And Oliver Cromwell successfully leads a coup against the British monarchy. He overthrows what is the royalist party or the party that supports the king uh, in this time. And so they decide to to try King Charles, the, the new party, Oliver Cromwell's party, decides to try him for the way that he had treated them, how bad that they had been treated. And um, and so they, they got together, once they got in power and the king had de- is deposed, they got together and they, and they uh, formed a document. Fifty-nine men signed the document for the execution of King Charles I. And he, and he was, he was, he was executed. And Oliver Cromwell and his party only lasted about 11 years in power in Great Britain, it didn't last very long, and then there was another coup, and the Royalist Party comes back into power, and they put the son of King Charles I uh, on, on the throne, King Charles II. They were very creative at this time. King Charles II, who's the son of King Charles I, who, who this party had, had killed, um, and, and so now Charles II is on the throne. Now listen, I'm telling you a true story. The first thing that Charles II does when he gets to the throne of England is he goes and finds the 59 people who signed the death warrant of his father. And he hunts down these 59 people who 11 years earlier had tried to, uh, had overthrown his father and had, and had called for the execution of his father. Of the 59 people who signed it, 15 of them were already dead. They'd already died. And Charles II made the order. It wasn't good enough that they were already dead. Charles II said, I want you to go find their graves and dig their bodies up. And he did just that. And you can read it for yourself in the history books. He put 15 people who had already died but had signed the treaty to kill his father. He dug their dead corpses up and hung them again in the town square. Now you talk about digging up the past. Come on, somebody. (laughs) All because he couldn't forgive. All because you can't. It's a radical picture of what happens in your life when you don't deal with your issues of unforgiveness. That you'll dig up what they did. You'll dig up how hurt you were. You'll You'll retry this church on the altar of that church that hurt you. 
You'll retry this pastor on the altar of that church, uh, that pastor who hurt you. You'll retry this relationship on the altar of that relationship that failed you. You'll retry this marriage on the altar of that marriage because you won't give grace. And now it's not hurting them, it's hurting you. you got to learn. This forgiveness. You, there's nothing on the inside of you that's going to want to do this. It's going to take an act of your mind. It is a decision. It is a choice. It is a choice. It is a choice to forgive. I've taught you this before, but joy is not a feeling. It's a choice. And forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. It's an act of your mind and your will. That's why First Peter in, uh, 4 and 1 says, uh, says this, Since Christ suffered while He was in His body, strengthen yourself with the same way of, everybody shout thinking. Shout thinking. You've got to strengthen yourself to think like Jesus thought. Jesus is on the cross. Beaten. Brutally mauled. Matter of fact, one of the gospels says he's marred beyond recognition. You couldn't tell that it was him. And the first thought that crosses his mind is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And the first thought that has to cross your mind, as you need grace, as I need grace, is, God, I'm going to have to learn how to forgive and give grace to others. God, I want this open flow of grace. In my, does anybody want that? Let me see. You. Do you need that? I need this open conduit of grace from God. I need this flow of grace into my life. And so it has to flow out of my life. Let me give you a couple of things forgiveness is not. i got to teach you this really quick. Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Most people think, well, you just want me to forgive and forget. Nope. That's nowhere in your Bible, by the way. Like, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not in the Bible. It ought to be, because some of y'all nasty. But it's not. <laughs> Forgive and forget. That's not in the Bible. It, it does not minimize the seriousness of the offense. It doesn't say that what happened to you didn't happen to you. Forgiveness is not, write this down, it is not reconciliation. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. It takes two people to be reconciled. It takes one person to forgive. You didn't catch that because the screen was late. It takes two people to be reconciled. It takes one person to forgive. You don't need anybody else to participate in your forgiveness. Did you catch that? You don't need them to agree to your forgiveness. That's reconciliation. Forgiveness is not you getting together and having a meeting and what do you think and how can we get past this. That's reconciliation. You ought to strive for that. You ought to try to work for that. But that doesn't, forgiveness doesn't take the other person to sit at the negotiating table. It just takes you and your mind to decide. I will not hold on to this any longer. It's not about what's doing, doing what's fair. Write that down. It's not about doing what's fair. Well, it's fair that they get punished. You don't want to play the fair game with God. Be careful on the fair game. Be careful on what's fair. Well, they, oh, it, they, it, it serves them right. They deserve what they get. No, be careful on the fair game because if you got what was fair, you'd have to pay for your own sins. I don't want fair from God, so I'm not giving fair to you. It's not. I mean, I'm, just, I'm telling you what forgiveness is not. It's not. Impossible to do. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. 
The devil's convinced some of you that you're going to be hurt the rest of your life. Always deal with this. Never be able to get past the heartbreak. Never get over the divorce. Never get over the abuse. Never get over the spiritual abuse. Never get over the heartache. Never get over the hurt. Never get over the offense. And I'm here to tell you that's a lie from hell. It's not impossible to give grace. If Jesus on the cross can give grace, it's the first thing that he did. It's got to be your first response. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through him that gives me the strength. You can't do it on your own. Oh, you can't figure it out on your own. No, I'm not asking you on your own power and your own strength to find grace. No, but because I get grace, I can give grace. Every, let me teach you this principle. It's not in my, it's, it's not, let me teach you this principle while I close. Everything that God has given you, you are a conduit for. You were never meant to be, I was never meant to be a reservoir to hold things. Never, never. You know this intrinsically. I teach you this all the time about the gift that God gave you. God gave you a gift so that you could serve others. You understand that? God gives you finances. He gives you the ability to build wealth, not just for you, but I'm blessed so that I can be a blessing. Say amen to that. And grace is the same way. Grace doesn't just come to you so it stays with you, so that you can live in, in forgiveness, so you can walk in grace. Grace comes to you so that you can be a conduit. And the grace of God, it's His grace. It's His strength. It flows through me so I can give grace to others. It's not impossible to move. You can forgive them. You can forgive them. You can forgive them. You can walk in grace. Let me give you three things to do. Let me give you three things you can do. Come play so they think I'm closing. Let me give you three things you can do. Write these down in your notes really quickly. Number one, you can pray for them. You can pray for them. I say it this way. It's almost impossible to hate someone you pray for. <laughs> it's almost impossible to harbor hatred and unforgiveness and lack of grace. It's almost impossible to harbor that when you're praying for them. I do this in marriage counseling. Let me just give you a little... Just, I'm actually not a counselor. I, I just when I meet with couples before I send them to a real marriage counselor. <laughs> before before I do that, I, we always pray together, and it's always awkward, you know, because they came into my office, they sit on my couch. Nobody lays on my couch like a counselor, you know. They sit on my couch. They sit on other sides of the couch. You know what I mean? You know it's a bad marriage counseling when he's over here, she's over there, <laughs> and so about. Five minutes in. I mean, I don't, I don't wait. Okay, what happened? Well, he, she, okay. Let's pray. Why don't y'all hold hands? I want you to pray out loud for her. And you can see it on his face. He's thinking, I hate this church. I hate this preacher. I don't know why she brought me here. Last thing I want to do is pray for her. And the walls start breaking down. It's almost impossible to hate somebody you pray for. Matthew 5, 43 says, you've heard it. It was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Jesus said, I got a new law for you. You want to love your enemies. Pray for those. You need to make a prayer list of who hurt me. Every day, wake up and pray for them. Every day, pray. Bless. I did this. This is a true story. Randy and I walked through a difficult season early in our ministry. A couple of years worth of just really terrible spiritual abuse. And I, I want to tell you, I lived this principle out quickly. I didn't. It took me a while. But I, I, my commitment was when I finally got a hold of this idea of grace and 
given grace to other people, the grace of God that come to me, I, every time I would see them in my Facebook feed, I would pray for them. Now that's silly because I felt like they started posting ten times a day. <laughs> but I'm telling you really quickly, that stuff started melting away from my heart. Started melting away. It doesn't matter what they did. Have you reconciled? No. Have you talked to them? No. I just gave them grace. I have no idea the hell they were walking through. Matter of fact, 20 years later, in hindsight, I actually do know some really terrible things that they've walked through. And grace is that you pray for them. You can do that. You can do that. Number two, you can bless them. You can bless them. To bless someone biblically is what happens with your mouth. The Bible said blessing and curse come out of this. That life and death is in the power of the tongue. Don't, don't let your children hear you curse their father out. Don't let your new spouse hear you curse your ex. I don't mean, I don't just mean cuss words. I mean, don't, don't let them hear you talk terrible. You don't know, they're behind on child support. Dead, I don't care. It's not about, you're not reconciling whether or not they're caught up on child support. You're giving grace to people because you need grace. And you can bless them with what you say. Speak well of them. Luke 6, 27, I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Here's the last thing and I'll pray. This is the hard one. Get ready. Everything in you is not going to want to do this. Everything in you, when you, you, now you need grace and you want God, God give me all that stuff. God give me blessing. God, I need all that stuff. But I, I know you because I know me. I'm giving myself reasons why. Well, that sounds good, but I'm not doing that for them. That sounds like a good idea, but I don't know if I can do that for them. It's, it goes against everything you've got in you to pray for them and bless them. Here's the last thing. Let me challenge you and then we'll pray. I want you to do good to them. Do good to them. Do something for them. Bless them with your mouth and bless them with an action. That person cuts you off in traffic. Don't give them the old Texas wave. Especially if you got a City Hill sticker in the back of your car. <laughs> you ever cut somebody off and then found them in the line at Starbucks? And you're like, oh. That's them. <laughs> that's you're, somebody ever cut you off and then you realize you're both at the same stoplight and you're side by side and you're looking over there, giving that mean like you're trying to get roll your window down. You don't know me. I'm hood. That's for real. I'm saved. I told somebody the other day, I'm I'm saved, but I'm hood. I really am. Don't 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 mess don't mess with me. You don't know what day I'm really saved, okay? And it's Texas. I may or may not have a Glock in my truck. Come on, somebody. Don't, me don't mess with me. Why? Don't laugh at that. That's not good. You ever, you ever got in the car, you know, and somebody pulls up beside you, and you just want to look at that window and tell them, <laughs> why not you do good? Romans 12, 17, don't repay evil for evil. Be careful. 
to do what's right in the eyes of everybody. Now, this is the part I want you to catch because this is the. I grew up hearing this verse. Jason, you grew up hearing this. But I always heard one side emphasized and not the other. Let me give it to you the way the Bible says it. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody. And if it is possible, everybody say it's possible. Everybody say, I can. I can. You can. If it's possible, as far as it depends on who? It doesn't depend on whether or not you ask for forgiveness. It doesn't depend on not whether or not they say, I'm sorry. It doesn't depend on whether or not they come to you with an apology. It doesn't, doesn't depend on whether or not they try to reconcile. It doesn't depend on whether they clear your name. It doesn't depend on whether they wrote a retraction article in the paper. It doesn't, it doesn't depend on them. As far as it depends on me, live at peace with everybody. Don't take revenge, my friends. Leave room for God's wrath. <laughs> That's the part you ought to like. I'm going to let God deal with them. Hey, listen, I really do mean that, though. I'm going to let God deal with them because I want God to deal with me mercifully. I'm going to let God deal with them. I'm going to let the grace of God that I need in my life be the same grace that they receive in theirs. Leave room for God's wrath. It's written, it's mine to avenge. I'll repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, you're talking, you must be talking about somebody that I like. Nope. If your enemy's hungry, you, you must be talking about people that, that didn't. Nope. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Be careful who invites you to lunch today. They may think you're an enemy. <laughs> Don't be overcome with evil. Overcome evil with good. In a world that's, I'm just going to be real honest with you, in a world that's looking for offense and reasons to be offended, in a world of hashtag me too and hashtag church hurt, in a world of everybody's out and I'm deconstructing faith. and deconstru In a world that puts out documentaries about the evils of the church, let's be the church that says, nope, not us. We're going to be full of grace. This is going to be a house of grace. I said, this is going to be the house of grace. It's where anybody can receive grace and it's where we give grace to others. I remember early in my ministry, in the back of the church and I'd just gotten a job at this church and my pastor was pointing out who had been married to who. Now this is, <laughs> ooh, it's true. Brandy, remember, and it was, so, so they, and so she was married to him and, that, and then that's their kid and then now they're, the pew in front of them, we had pews, the pew in front of them. Now she's married to him and he's married to her but then that's their kid's I said, that's their kids sitting together? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's their, ki their kids and their kids, and they're sitting together, and, and there's no restraining order? <laughs> no. Listen, I'm not telling you it's got to be reconciled. I'm not telling you it's going to always be that way. I'm not telling you it's even possible in your situation, but as it depends on you and as it depends on me, I'm going to give grace. I'm going to give grace a chance in our life. I'm going to give grace a chance to work in your marriage. I want you to give grace a chance to work in a relationship with a child. Give grace a chance to work. 
Give grace an opportunity on your job. Give grace a chance to somebody who hurt you. Give grace a chance in your life. Bow your heads and let's pray. Father, I thank you for the grace of God that's apparent in my life. God, I recognize that I need grace more than anybody. I recognize what's wrong in me. and God, I know me better than anyone. I know the areas of my life that I want you to forgive and be merciful and be full of grace. And I also know how tough it is for me to give that same grace. So I'm asking you today to root out unforgiveness. Come on, pray that way. And whoever it is, you, you know that name that's in your mind right now. You know that, that face that you can see, that person you can see, that, that event that happened, that church that you were in, that job that you were on, that marriage that you were a part of. Whatever that is, you put that in the forefront of your God, this is it. Here's the thing. Here's the offense. Here's the person that tried to take my business under. Here, here, here's the person that tried to, to take me out, take my peace away, to take joy out of my life and hurt me. Here, here's the, it, could be, it could be as close to you as a mother or a father. Here's the abandonment. Here, he, here's, the, here's the hurt. Here's the abuse. God, I, they're not here today to reconcile. I'm not even trying to do that in this moment. But God, just as I've, get, I've received grace, I freely give it. Just as it's come to me, let it come through me. Just as it's been in my life, if you've forgiven me and saved me and cleansed me, and God, you know all the stuff in my life. God, I release them. Come on, just like Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them. God, I don't even know what they were walking through or why, why it happened like that, but I release them today. Come on, do it. Don't dig up those bones. Don't, don't retry the past. God, I'm walking in freedom today. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a product. I'm a child of grace. And so I'm giving grace a chance. If you're here today, you've never given your heart to Jesus. I want you to receive that free gift of grace. Never leave a service without giving you a chance to pray. The prayer of surrender and receive grace into your own life. You can't give something you've never received. So today, if you need that, if you need to rededicate your life, if you need a fresh Dose of grace, you can just pray after me, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you died for my sins. Thank you that you were grace on the cross to me. It was me. It was my sins that took you there. It was me you were talking about when you asked your father to forgive them. It was me. So I give you my whole life. Repent of all of my sins. Cleanse me. Make me brand new. I believe God raised you from the dead. Because of that, I can be raised to walk a new life. In Jesus' name, everybody shout a big amen. Come on, give God praise for His Word, everybody all over the house. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit City Hills TX. Dot com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.